previously on Save Me From My Shelf. The famous Homeric epithets that are these like recurring formula. So maybe puts a few dings into that, I don't know. We can give that a shot, sure. Yeah. Yeah, Odysseus, the smart guy from the Iliad, you know him. And after the ten-year war, he took another ten years to get back home. Just then, quote, Odysseus jumped up from the bushes. Grasping a leafy branch, he broke it off to cover his manly private parts. <laughs> really rowdy, they're eating and drinking just everything, uh, and she's basically living alone with a bunch of guys in a frat. It's kind of a smurfette situation. And this is the interaction that's going to put Odysseus and Poseidon in a little bit of a biggie two-part feud for the rest of the poem. Odysseus men have, for some reason, they brought some wine with them for their exploration of the island. You know, I suppose you need a drink at all the time. Odysseus, again, takes his 12 best dudes and they <laughs> roll back into that cave like a bunch of dickheads. Now, here's another thing about the cave. It's full of dung. Uh, is it implied that the animals did this, or that Polyphemus just did a big heckin' poop? What's your name? And Odysseus is like, <laughs> My name is No Man. <laughs> This'll help you best Circe's magic, but once you do, it's gonna make her crazy horny. I can't turn you into a pig, let's fuck. But while our frightened gaze was on Charybdis, Scylla snatched six men from the ship, my strongest, best fighters. We're well, coming that good, can they? And Daniel, this is when Odysseus is about to find out if Rock Bottom has a cellar. Welcome to Save Me From My Shelf, a literature podcast where we take classic tomes off their pedestal to make you less anxious about reading them. Our jokes come from a place of love and for a specific teaching purpose. However, if you think that making fun of great literature, and maybe some mild swearing, is offensive, this might not be the podcast for you. Hello, you are listening to Save Me From My Shelf. The magic roundabout over here is Daniel. You know about that, do you? Yes. Um, and Sesame Street. <laughs> is Abby. I didn't know about that. Right, so welcome to part two of the Odyssey. We're going to finish up this story. We're going to find out if Odysseus ever makes it home. So if you guys are tuning into this one and you don't know what's happening, that's frankly pretty weird. In medias res. Yeah, you should go back and listen to part one that has all the background info on Homer, the context of how this poem was created. It has the first half of the story. So... Yeah. yeah, why are you turning up randomly in part two? That's a bad decision. You're an impulsive risk taker, and maybe your car insurance premiums should go up. <laughs> Before we get started, Daniel, do you have any letters? You better believe. That's from my P.O. box. This is one from Carol. Really enjoying the podcast. It's a great idea. Great Thanks. idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Execution. <laughs> eh. Yeah, but whatever. I'm 64. I know, and I can still use the internet. It stuns everyone. It's, it's funny. I think when I was a child, we read the quote-unquote classics more readily, partly because there were far fewer books specifically for kids, teens, than there are today. Okay, so this is in response to Robinson Crusoe, isn't it, where we were talking about how... Like, what kid would want to read this? Yeah. I, I think you're probably right, Carol. I think, like, children's lit didn't really come about 
It's to until the Victorian era, and even then, it was like it's only sixty-four. Come on, well, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no yeah. but it's, that, a, it's an ever-growing but like genre, it, isn't it exactly yeah. like there there weren't that many examples yeah. of it compared to today. Having said that, I could never get through Robinson Crusoe. I think I was told it was because I was a girl rather than. No, you're right. It's a crap book. <laughs> yeah. My boredom threshold has never been very high. I never got past the first chapter of Hardy's Return of the Native because he banged on about Egdon Heath for about a year. <laughs> I tried other Hardy. Turned out I actually really hate his style of writing. That's fair. I could see that. I like Hardy, but fair. Had to read Dickens' Hard Times for A-Level. Oh, no. Why did they give you the worst books to read for exams? I know it's short. That's its only saving grace. <laughs> Carol, you're batting a thousand. Carol's a real downer. I think Carol's hilarious. Yeah, very like laconic though, isn't it? Yeah. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to future books. You can synopsize for me from Carol. Thank you, Carol. Please write in again. That was that was very amusing. Yeah. What else we got? Oh my god, we got another one from Patty. She wrote a couple in a row. She wrote a couple in a row. (laughs) <laughs> this one she wants us speaking of Dickens she wants us to read something by Evelyn War. It's a handful of dust which ends with somebody having to read all the works of Dickens and it's a good book oh I've never read a handful of dust I recommend it it's really good well the thing is Patty I have never read any war and I there's a part of me that wants to keep it that way because what's it good for <sighs> Is that what you're saying? No. It's because when I was in my undergrad, I was a goody two-shoes who always did all the assignments. Except one year for a professor, we had to read Brideshead Revisited, and I was just so busy with schoolwork, I was like, I've got to be able to fake it. And I managed to fake it. And then the next year, the same thing happened in a different class with the same professor, and he assigned Brideshead Revisited, and I was like, well, I faked it for this guy once, I bet I could fake it through a class again. And so I fake-read Brideshead Revisited twice, well, why not do it here? <gasps> I love that idea. Also, sounds like this guy was really phoning it in, just putting Brideshead Revisited on every module. <laughs> okay, so we've already done all the background stuff. We've done the set the scene. We've done the spoilers and the trigger warnings and all of that stuff. So, where we last left off. Odysseus had taken us through the end of the Trojan War, all of his adventures at sea, how he pissed off Poseidon. He's, you know, been with Calypso for years. He's done all the monsters and magic stuff. He's now on the island of some people who are trying to help him get home, and he's just recapped the whole thing. So, now's the bit. Can he actually make it home in the final stretch? I'm thinking yes. I'm thinking yes. Let's see what happens. The king, hosting Odysseus and listening to this long-ass story, is like, wow, what a great tale. Tell it again. (laughs) (laughs) And then they continue to feast and fate Odysseus, who is just gagging for this party to end so he can go home. We've all been there, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> Finally, the host fulfills his part of the bargain. <laughs> and this is my prefab. It's a bad one. Is there any other kind? So they say, Odysseus, we love you so much that of course we'll give you a ship to return home. A vehicle for your revenge. A Liam Nissan, if you will. <laughs> Daniel, I'm ready for my high five now. <laughs> it was terrible. Thank you. You know, 
I notice that whenever I make a really great joke, you just degrade it. Jealousy's an ugly color on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Right. Anyway, he leaves the party, finally. And they row his ass to Ithaca, back to Milf Island, if we all remember. Milf Manor. <laughs> Isn't that a 30 Rock show? No, Milf Island's the 30 Rock show. Oh, is it? Milf Manor is a real program. What? Have you not heard of this? That's what Quentin Tarantino's Milf Manor. It's a reality TV I program. thought you were joking. No, it's a reality TV. I watch it every week. It's a reality TV. Do you? I don't really watch it. It's a reality TV program where there are like, I don't know, 10 older women and they're all put in a manor. It's like Meerkat Manor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bit daytime TV there. But they, <laughs> and they're going to be dating young men. Like all, eighth graders? No. That's like middle five. <laughs> all the young men are their sons. Oh, Isn't that depraved? No. Oh no. Mother and I are on a double date. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So he gets to Ithaca. Hooray. Homecoming. Stories. And, yeah. And, stories over. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. Right. Because he's there. He's on Ithaca. Wrong. The whole last part of the poem with the sirens and the cyclops and Circe and the lotus eaters and Scylla and Charybdis. That's just the most famous part. That's just filler for this though isn't it <laughs> kind of yeah. actually but it's you know quality filler hmm. buckle in goes we still have half the poem to go his party friends rode him back home weirdly he fell asleep on the ship and they just sort of carried him like a sleeping baby and left him on a beach oh little kiss on the cheek back on the boat <laughs> <We're off. laughs> they couldn't wake him because i don't where did they leave him are you gonna say they left him on a beach. What beach? Milf Beach? No. What, what, what answer are you looking it's for? It's one of the less frequented parts of Ithaca, a magical bay with a beautiful dark cave inhabited by sea nymphs who spend all day weaving sea purple on stone looms and are supplied with unlimited honey by friendly bees. That's a great bit. What's like, sea purple? Why would you ever go home? You got magical honey? You got some fine-ass biddies? <laughs> So the, his, okay, his party friends, they sail off, leaving him on the beach. They head back to their own island. Poseidon sees all of this. Oh, God. He, you got better things to do. I know. But he shakes his fist at the sky and goes, Odysseus! And he decides to punish that island that helped Odysseus by turning that ship to stone as soon as it's within viewing range of their home. So no one will ever forget not to fuck around with Poseidon. And doesn't he turn their town into a mountain or something like something that? Something like that, I don't yeah. I even get what that meant. The, and the people are so shaken that they decide to stop helping strangers forever. Yeah, because they were the sort of special, like, magic school bus island. Yeah, they? and now they just never helped again. Him, never again. And tell me one thing that Odysseus doesn't make worse. That is true, isn't it? Yeah, so he wakes up on the beach. He's all disoriented. He's like a spring breaker in Cancun. He's home, baby. And now it's time for a little revenge. He's about to break out his Beyonce lemonade bat. Let's do it. Athena turns up, you know her. She makes Odysseus look like an old beggar. And she's like, what you need to do is case your household. You need to see who's loyal, who's not. It's like secret boss. <laughs> Undercover boss. Yeah, that one. I'm gonna, <laughs> secret boss. Was his first suggestion, can I be smuggled in, in or under the belly of an animal? <laughs> can we make um, that happen? Yeah. He also asks Athena, like, why couldn't you just have told everyone years ago that I was still alive and on the way home? Or couldn't you have just, like, magicked me here immediately? Don't like that. And, well, she goes, haha, you're cute. And then she disappears. <laughs> so Odysseus runs off into one of his slaves, Eumaeus. He is a swine herd. 
<laughs> um, I'm leaving that in. Yeah, yeah. Who volunteers to put him up? Eumaeus doesn't even know that this is Odysseus, you know, his old boss. Because don't forget, Odysseus is LARPing as a homeless. Yes. But this guy treats him very nicely all the same. Because hospitality. Yeah. Odysseus has a chat with Eumaeus. He's like, ooh, who's your master then? He kind of columbos it, doesn't he? Who's your master? You know, I I was also in the Trojan War. I'm from Crete. He tells of his whole... I can't be bothered with that. The, the, The fictional life of this guy. Screw that. They share a roast pig. Hmm. How can you be sure that pig wasn't once a human? Well, is that... That's a good way of t- teaching people to be vegetarian. Yeah, it? it is. This is a or pro... Or cannibals. Pro-vegetarian, yeah. <laughs> Might as well pig. just graduate up to long pig. So, Odysseus gets to eat the piece of honour cut from the spine. I don't know what that is. The goddess Athena, so... she rushes over to Telemachus, Odysseus's son. Who, oh, I forgot that guy. Yeah. Who, yeah, seriously. He is still stuck at the court of King Menelaus and Helen of Troy. Yeah. Athena says, Telemachus, you gotta get home quick, and when you land, don't announce your presence. Just go spend a quiet night in the swineherd's shed. She could just tell him your dad is back. Before Telemachus leaves, the whole castle witnesses something extraordinary. What was it? An eagle swoops down from the sky. Remember, an eagle, like before, because Zeus's birds are eagles. Sometimes. Sometimes. An eagle swoops down from the sky, carrying an entire damn goose in its talons. And the goose looks pretty calm. (laughs) And the goose is like, this is fine. (laughs) Everyone starts speculating about what it means. And then Helen of Troy, our noted haughty, speaks up. The gods have told me that it's a prophecy, and here's what it means. (laughs) Odysseus is already back home and preparing revenge on the suitors. The eagle is Odysseus and the goose is the suitors. I think that's it, right? I think it's supposed to be, but why are they so calm? The suitors are definitely not calm. Because they're They like to big, rage, this... brah. I don't think this tracks. I don't. I think Helen's lying. I think it's a weird bit of zoological <laughs> nonsense and Helen's just making it about her. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Anyway, Telemachus is finally able to get away and he gets on a ship bound for Ithaca. Odysseus is still hanging out with Eumaeus the swineherd. Who should pop by at Eumaeus's house? Quote, his own dear son, his only son, his dear most precious boy, Telemachus is there. Oh good, Rick has found his Morty. Don't know what that means. So, <laughs> Telemachus is like, who's this old codger? And Eumaeus is like, it's just some bum. <laughs> we all know it's his Odysseus. <laughs> And Athena turns up and tells Odysseus that it's time for your son to know the truth. It's time to live your truth, Odysseus? Exactly. Well, what would that mean, though? Because he's <laughs> such a liar. And with a golden wand, she turns him back into Odysseus. It's me, Papa! He says. <laughs> and he and Telemachus, they have a big reunion, and they cry for a very, very long time. Everyone in this book is dehydrated. Telemachus was an infant when his dad left. He initially doesn't believe him, but yeah, they eventually... Um, Odysseus is just like, well, the thing is, see, is Athena periodically changes my appearance, and that, that it seems fine with Telemachus. So they plan on how to kill the suitors, and Odysseus is like, oh yeah, one more thing. No one must know who I am, not even my wife. We need to test everyone first. Despite everyone, you know, gods and shadows down in Hades and things like that, everyone's saying Penelope is super faithful to you. No, I don't believe it. What would they know? They're dead. I don't even know what happened in that bit. We skipped it. F*** you, Daniel. They also tell us how many suitors there are. 108 suitors plus associated servants. So it's two men against at least 108. 
Yeah. Just so we're clear. One of those numbers. guys must be better than Odysseus. So here is what Odysseus and Telemachus are going to do. You got to keep this quiet from all the women who might not be trusted. You know how bitches are. In fact, they need to suss out which of the female servants have been palling around with the suitors and maybe have even been sleeping with them. Disgusting. What a disgrace to Odysseus. Shall we test the male servants to see who are still loyal? Nah, the women only. Yeah, a bit of affirmative action. <laughs> Telemachus goes home and he's like, okay, dad, meet up with me later in your drifter disguise. And meanwhile, you know, we finally cut back to Penelope. She's waiting for her son's return. She's still fending off her suitors as usual. She's just exhausted by this and has decorated the house with a bunch of signs that say, live, laugh, leave. <laughs> she would be one of them. I can imagine the palace will like, wine o'clock on there. <laughs> Telemachus is greeted by his mother and all the slave girls who coo over him. And the suitors are a bit... <laughs> the suitors are a bit peeved. It's pretty good, that, isn't it, as a coo? Yeah, you're actually pretty good at that. You can also do the pretty woman growl. That's pretty good. How did you learn that? Um, Lots of hours in front of the mirror. The suitors are a bit peeved to see Telemachus showing up again, because uh, remember they had plots to kill him, and Telemachus avoided those. Daniel wrote in his script, They are like grrr. <laughs> but, you know, they break out a feast, and I guess all is fine. Maybe we'll kill him later. Penelope's like... Well, I'm overdue for my hourly cry and nap. I'm going back upstairs to bed. And I'm like, does this bitch have narcolepsy? Truly. That is pretty good. I mean, I wouldn't like the crying, but... You'd like having narcolepsy? Well, just... No, but just sleeping a lot in your nice palace bed is pretty good, isn't it? Odysseus, re-beggarified, makes his way to the palace. And an old dog recognizes him and almost gives the game away. Now, keep in mind, Odysseus has been gone for 20 years. You're telling me that's a 20-year-old dog. That dog is 140 in They say years. this, don't they? They say, ooh, I just was training him just as I left. He was a puppy. Yeah, yeah, well, I, Daniel, if I make it to 140, I'll be begging you to kill me with a hammer. In the Bible, people live to like 900. Oh, well, that's... Can't a told. dog live to 20 in Sorry, the yeah, Odyssey? I mean, we have magical whirlpools and bird women that sing beautifully, but this is the giddy limit. Telemachus brings Odysseus, disguised as a beggar, into the hall. He tells all the suitors, hey, I met this great hobo on my travels. <laughs> Just truly gold standard hobo. Everyone should welcome him and be really friendly. The suitors get extremely Caitlyn Jenner and think it is disgusting that they should have to look at a homeless person on the way to their private jets. <laughs> and they get really insulting to both Telemachus and the disguised Odysseus. Finally, Odysseus has had enough, and he says, You hypocritical little shits. You won't give a crust of bread to a beggar, and yet you sit here eating another man's food year after year? Whoa. Well, that sets them off. And one of them basically becomes a pro wrestler, and he picks up a stool and smashes it over Odysseus's back. It was but a stunt stool. Odysseus is so strong. He's so much stronger than his disguise makes him look, and he doesn't even flinch. He then curses them to death by the Furies for violating hospitality. Whoa. Then the suitors start to pause. Don't the gods often disguise themselves as strangers and beggars to test people? No. We should tre <laughs> tread lightly. Another homeless man called Iris. Our Iris. He turns up. 
Notorious for his greed, he ate and drank non-stop, so he was fat but weak, with no capacity for fighting. So he's doing pretty well out of being homeless, is the implication there. He starts abusing Odysseus, because he's like a sort of uh, crony of the suitors, isn't he? And the pair exchange trash talk, so we're kind of a far cry from all the beasts and gods and things here, aren't we? It's all just kind of bum fights. <laughs> um, the suitors are all, they, they get a bit sort of... Um, this is just a standard night in Oxford or Cambridge, isn't it? You know, they think, ooh, well, here's a bit of fun. Let's goad the pair into having a fight. One of the suitors is like, goat stomachs stuffed with fat and blood are roasting over the fire for dinner. Let the beggar who wins the fight choose one of these and take it. So obviously it's like an offer you can't refuse, right? And they're not in the sense of a threat, in the sense of something that you really, really want. I'm sorry. A bum fight? Is this Connor Roy's wedding? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so Odysseus is like, he does a bit of the old pool sharky stuff, doesn't he? He's like, oh, I'm old, oh, I'm really unfit. Oh, I don't think I'll be able to take this fat guy on. You know, you should, quote, swear a mighty oath that none of you will intervene in the fight. And the suitors are like, yeah, sure, yeah. Immediately Odysseus rips off his kit, and he's a sort of like groundskeeper willy type, isn't he? He's kind of really like ripped. Um, <laughs> That's always my favourite moment of any Simpsons episode is when groundskeeper Willie <laughs> rips off. Grease me up, woman. Yeah, <laughs> he's great. Um, he yeah, he has massive thighs, mighty shoulders, an enormous chest, and sturdy arms. Mm, and all the horny slave girls take out their fans and start salivating. Grandpa's absolutely shredded. If this were 2016, we would say that he was swole. Okay. Do you remember that? No. Do you remember that phase where everyone was saying things were men. small? No. But something comes. you might say to the doctor. <laughs> so, Iris is understandably terrified, and rightly so, because Odysseus quickly breaks his jaw and fells him. Uh, the suitors are like, oh, well done, old boy, and have him in for a delicious blood-stuffed goat's stomach. Mm. But they also tease him a bit at the same time, and they're all, like, you know, leery and rude. Is he... Pledging a frat? What is happening? I don't know. It's boring. During, <laughs> actually, I did quite like this bit. During the roistering, Penelope inadvertently gives an impression of her honourableness to Odysseus because she appears and tells all the suitors off. She's all like, oh, keep it down. You know, she's like, although my husband said I could remarry if he hadn't returned by the time my son could grow a beard, quote, it's not right or proper to court a decent woman in this way. They ought to bring fat sheep and cows to feed my family and give fine gifts not eat what is not theirs and offer nothing back so Odysseus is like I'm remembering why I fell in love with this woman yeah, <laughs> sort of. there's also I, I have to put this in Daniel there's such a weird moment because during Penelope's last nap the goddess Athena decides to give her a non-consensual makeover <laughs> she magics Penelope into being thinner taller and with a bigger rack Do and you... being turned into a spider which is another option that Athena might give you I but I'm just like, I'm sorry her tatas weren't bodacious enough, Athena. What is this? Is this a queer reading? No, because it's for Odysseus. Is it? It's a male gaze by proxy reading. If I make a woman's boobs bigger, you best believe it's for me. But you're not a goddess. Rude! Sorry. Fuck you! Okay. Now Odysseus and Telemachus get properly to work on their revenge plan. <laughs> They hide all of the weapons around the house. I imagine he's got them all hung up on the wall, isn't it? It's like techie manly deck. <laughs> yeah, all these like antlers and, and on the wall. Yeah. yeah. They also lock up all the interfering women, and nice. they they prepare the house for a very grisly. We need to talk about Kevin style massacre. 
Odysseus then meets up with Penelope after all these years, his wife, and he, you know, remember, he's in disguise. And she's like, oh, you know, you homely old fellow, have you seen my husband in your travels? Why, yes, my lady, I have. And Odysseus tells her his whole big made-up biography about how he's some guy from Crete, and he's like, oh, I hosted that Odysseus on his way back from the Trojan War. Bullshit. Yeah, are, are you telling the truth? No, no. I can prove it because he describes Odysseus very accurately, including <laughs> Odysseus's famous tunic that was as soft as a dried up onion peel. Ooh, mmm, feel that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't a dried up onion peel just really crispy. crinkly yeah. and crispy? So Odysseus is like, oh, don't worry, my beautiful queen. I bet your husband will be home really soon. He might even be on Ithaca right now. Wink. Good bit. Penelope sends Odysseus off to have a bath. Another, another uh, hospitality bath moment. During which the old slave who's bathing him, Eurycleia, notices a characteristic scar on the beggar's foot. So you're Odysseus, you know. It's a classic scar thing, you know. Athena couldn't hide that? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's silly, isn't it? Because famously, Odysseus got this scar when wounded by a white boar on the slopes of Mount Parnassus. Here's my prefab. It's the home of boring poetry. Daniel. Because Mount Parnassus is where poems come from, where the muses live. No. Do you have to know that for that to make sense? Do you feel good about yourself? No. I don't. Odysseus responds by grabbing her by the throat. Jesus Christ! And telling her to shut up or he's dead. And if she tells anyone, he'll murder her when he murders all the other slave women. Uh, I'm sorry, when he does what to whom? Yeah, he's going to murder all the other slave women, not Eurycleia, unless she reveals his identity. Okay. Well, all the slave women that betrayed the household. Murder them? Okay. But she's like, that's fine, and I'll tell you which of the slave women are the ones that betrayed you the most, i.e. were, like, raped and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, is the implication. So you can murder them the hardest. (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, good. So we're getting... I'm glad the story has really found a hero. Yeah, exactly. So, later on, Odysseus and Penelope chat about a dream she had in which... Oh, God. In which, <laughs> in which 20 geese are killed by an eagle. The eagle then says, I'm your husband and those geese are the suitors. <laughs> it's one of those dreams that, like, interprets itself for you. <laughs> Odysseus is like, well, I think the meaning of that dream is pretty open and shut. But is it true? And Penelope's like... Well, that's the question. Quote, There are two gates of dreams. One pair is made of horn and one of ivory. The dreams from ivory are full of trickery. Their stories turn out false. The ones that come through polished horn come true. What the hell does that mean? That's a great bit. I've got a book called Gates of Horn about French realism. Of course you do. And Penelope's like, No, in my luck, the dream's probably not true. And Odysseus is like, Wink. Um... (laughs) Penelope doesn't want to get her hopes up about her husband ever returning. And she's like, listen, I just, I can't keep living like this. I need to choose a suitor soon. How do I pick? Oh God, I don't know. Here's what I'll do. I'll make them compete in some stupid feat of strength and skill, like the one my husband used to excel at. So apparently back in the day when he and Penelope were first married, Odysseus used to string his incredibly difficult bow and he used to set up 12 axes in a row and shoot an arrow perfectly through the little gap in all 12 axe heads what was that? i didn't get that what was so that? like it's like when you lo- like oh they're st- like that are they i thought it meant like 
good for the listeners to yeah like a, a visual that he's doing i thought it meant like he put 12 axes in a row like planted them in the ground like poles and then like you know where the axe curves down he like here's the pole here's the axe head oh. there's like a little gap i was kind of imagining it yeah like <clears throat> they were sort of athwart each other in like rows like maybe across, but that's and then but, you go right between them Oh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But the well, point... Whatever. It's, yeah. It's very talented, it's, I'm sure. Oh, it's very difficult. Yeah. And so he used to shoot an arrow perfectly through the little gap. So Penelope says, whichever suitor is able to do that, who can basically, you know, fill my husband's shoes in terms of axe archery, he'll be the one that she'll marry. And I'm not sure if she thinks that no suitor can actually do it. Or if the suitors are just so interchangeable that it doesn't actually matter who wins. Or if she really thinks that a feat of strength and skill is like a good prerequisite for marital bliss. Odysseus thinks this is a great idea and he encourages his wife to do it ASAP. Because he hasn't had a flex in like 38 Christing minutes. So he needs to show off to somebody. Penelope is like, great, will do. Now if you'll excuse me, I haven't cried myself to sleep in a couple of hours and I'm overdue. Odysseus again starts fuming at his slave girls who sneak outside for some slap and tickle with the suitors, and he vows again to murder them all, and it's really unclear if some of the slave girls are going willingly or if they're being raped. Like, it's really unclear. Even Odysseus says at one point, he raped my slaves. I think the point is, like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. It's about ownership of... Women's sexuality. Yeah, Yeah. I know. Let me tell you something about feminism. (laughs) (laughs) Penelope, meanwhile, wakes up sobbing like she does every night, and we get more of her lamentations. This bitch has a mood disorder. Mm. The next day, Penelope proposes the idea of the archery contest. She fetches Odysseus's special bow, and we get a very long history about this bow all through Greek mythology and blah blah blah, and we also get long descriptions about how great the carpentry in their palace is. And then she grabs the bow and she breaks down crying again. And we get a lot about that. And I'm just like, please, just get to the archery contest. My God. When do I get into the fireworks factory? <laughs> <laughs> we finally set up the axes. You know, the contest starts. The suitors start stringing Odysseus's great bow. But none of them can do it. None of them are strong enough. But they're all like, really like, me next. They'll think they're going to do it, don't they? It's very Lanish, Cinderella, cocky. my foot will fit in yeah. the slipper. Finally, Odysseus has decided it's time to park right up in these suitors' assholes about this. Odysseus asks, hey, can I, just this humble old grandpa, can I have a go? And the suitors don't like this one bit. You think you're better than me? You're forgetting your place, old man. What, do you want to marry Penelope? And Penelope, who still does not know that this dude is her husband, she's like, oh, guys, let him have a go. It'll be fine. I promise I won't marry the beggar, even if he can string Like at high school when all the the jocks are bullying the nerd and there's the nice... Popular girl. Telemachus knows some shit's about to go down, so he orders his mother (laughs) and the women upstairs to work on their women. Make yourself scarce. And she's like, um, okay... I guess, come tell me who I have to marry then, you little prick. Mm. And she and the women go upstairs. So she goes upstairs and sing it if you know the words. She cries herself to sleep. Good. I'm starting to think that she has like some sort of neurological disorder. <laughs> like she's, she's crying, but she has no feelings. The suitors commentate on Odysseus's preparations with this bow. He stares at it as if he were an expert in bows. He acts the part. See how the pitiful migrant fingers it. 
So he had tricked them all, after examining the mighty bow carefully inch by inch, as easily as an experienced musician stretches a sheep gut string around a lyre's peg and makes it fast. Odysseus, with ease, strung the great bow. He held it in his right hand and plucked the string, which sang like swallow song, a clear sweet note. The suitors, horrified, grew pale, and Zeus made ominous thunder rumble. Ooh, he's doing some some Foley studio yeah, work. Yeah, Zeus is up there shaking one of those sheets of metal. Yeah, it has the same effect. What's the problem? Uh, <laughs> Odysseus, who had been had so long been waiting, was glad to hear the signal from the son of double-dealing Kronos. Epithet! Thank you. That's Zeus. He took up an arrow which was lying on the table. The others were all packed up in the quiver, soon to be used. He laid it on the bridge, then pulled the notch end and the string together, still sitting in his chair. With careful aim he shot. The weighted tip of bronze flew through each axe head and then out the other side. He did it like in a movie. Yeah, it's a good bit. I Can think. you imagine how great you would feel to do that in front of your enemies? And then everybody goes, yeah! And it means the town's safe. Is that the film? <laughs> Um, okay, you get to keep the, the children's centre. I won't build the casino. So, Odysseus is like, I've still got it. With his eyebrows, he signalled. Doing a little Groucho yeah. marks. And his son strapped on his sword, picked up his spear, and stood beside his chair next to his father, his bronze weapons flashing. All so. right, lads. Enough foreplay. Time to get to the main event. Exactly. Odysseus turns and he shoots the head Stop! He immediately tears his clothes off and is completely <laughs> naked. Why would you miss that? I clearly must have missed that. Odysseus tears his clothes off. He wants them to see what they're up against. <laughs> Odysseus turns and shoots the head suitor right through the neck. The point pierced all the way through his soft neck. He flopped down to the side and his cup slipped out of his hand. A double pipe of blood gushed from his nostrils. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry we don't have enough blood to yeah. sate you. And the suitors are like, that's not cool. <laughs> well, baby, the king of Gondor has returned. How dare you flirt with my wife and eat my food and date my servants or rape them. Unclear. What's the saying, Daniel? The dildo of consequences rarely arrives lubed. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't get that. I think I'm not cultured enough. That's the thing the kids are saying online. No. Is it's... that really something people say? Yes. I thought you were just extrapolating from another... No, okay. that's a real saying. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, it's too late for apologies. Prepare to die. He lets loose some arrows, and it's just some real Legolas shit. The suitors scramble for weapons, but there aren't any. They've been hidden away. Telemachus is in the trenches. He's stabbing people. And there's a brief moment where it looks like the suitors might be able to get their hands on some weapons and fight back. But the suitors aren't very successful. And it's just disgusting mayhem. It goes on for ages and ages. It's like a family guy level fight. There's a bit where one of the slaves betrays Odysseus and um, lets the suitors into the locked room mm -hmm. of all the weapons. But they still beat him. And Odysseus is like, now what I want you to do is go and torture that slave and string him up and tear him to pieces and throw his dick to a dog. Oh, that's right. He throws his dick to a dog. Yeah, that's horrible. Is it the old dog? Because he doesn't have any teeth left. Here's a new trick. <laughs> yeah. Odysseus next summons Eurycleia, the housekeeper, and asks which women of the household have dishonored him. Quote, in this house we have 50 females of slaves who we have trained to work, to card the wool, and taught to tolerate their life as slaves. So, you know, they've, they've done these women a favour, <laughs> is what this woman's saying. They're giving, giving good, gainful employment. 
she says, 12 stepped away from honor. So either they willingly had sex with the suitors or they were raped. It's so unclear. Or they betrayed Penelope because there was that slave that dobbed her in about the... Um, the weaving. Yeah. yeah. Telemachus is like, great, give me those 12 gals. They've got to clean up this mess and then we'll kill them. So the girls come in crying and Odysseus barks orders at them. They cleaned his lovely chairs and tables with wet absorbent sponges. <laughs> they picked up the trash and took it out. Is that a bad joke about their boyfriends? Here, Ooh. love, take the trash out. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, what about action hero thing? Quote, the men created order in the house and set it all to rights. So. Oh, the men created the order, men did created they? Order as, the as these yeah. sobbing women are scrubbing up their boyfriend's blood. Yeah. Before Tele- Telemachus takes the 12 women out into the courtyard, quote, as doves or thrushes spread their wings to fly home to their nests, but someone sets a trap, they crash into the net. A bitter bedtime. Just so, the girls, their heads all in a row, were strung up with the noose around their necks to make their death an agony. They gasped, feet twitching, for a while, but not for long. So, that's nice. They fumigate the place after that, don't they? And Penelope's been asleep the whole time. What a shock. (laughs) Although, I suppose if you've been living with 108 frat boys for the last... They're all playing Call of Duty really loudly. (laughs) It's that that horrible, violent (laughs) computer games, which I don't like. You're a Clea, the one who, you know, ratted out the, uh... She grossed. She grossed to Odysseus, Classic didn't she? Manager, though, yeah. She? she climbs the stairs and tells Penelope, Madam, your husband is home. You would have been thrilled if you saw him, like a lion drenched in blood and gore. <laughs> Penelope and Euryclea do this whole long, No, no he not. is not yeah. that. Yes, he is. No, he's not. But finally, she convinces Penelope that the beggar that she's been sort of palling around with for the last day was Odysseus in disguise the whole time. Penelope comes downstairs and looks shyly at her husband, who she only kind of half recognizes. Now, because she doesn't immediately launch herself at him like a salmon swimming upstream, Telemachus says, basically, well, now all the suitors are dead, I guess I should finish browbeating you to shit. <laughs> Quote, cruel, heartless mother, why are you doing this, rejecting father? Your heart was always harder than rock. Yet the woman who's done nothing but weep for 20 years. Fuck off, you little puke, and give her a goddamn minute. I was so mad at that bit. Odysseus goes, no, no, son, it's all right. Give her her time. In fact, I actually don't want word getting out that there was this whole totally avoidable mass murder here. So here's what we're going to do. Telemachus, you take all the remaining slave girls, put them in something pretty. Take them outside and make them dance around so everyone thinks we're having a big party and that nothing's wrong. I'm sure these deeply traumatized girls who just saw a quarter of their number viciously murdered will enjoy a little sunshine and music. Coachella! Probably. So he turns to Penelope and is like, baby, don't you recognize me? And she kind of doesn't. So she decides to test him. She tells Euryclea, okay, well, if he is my husband, he'll surely want to sleep in his own bed, the one he made himself. Euryclea, pull the bed out into the hallway and make it up there. Now, Odysseus loses his rag at this. Why? Because the bed is actually part of a living, growing tree that Odysseus built his castle around. So the tree comes up through the floor, goes up through the roof, and the trunk of the tree is actually one of the bedposts. The contractors were all like, no, it'd be easy to keep it, mate. Really, like, <laughs> it's going to cost you probably 10000 extra just to get rid of it. And then you've got to deal with the new foundations. 
turns out, yeah, you'd have to rip the bed apart to move the rest of it out into the hallway. Also, I don't want to sleep in the hallway. That's <laughs> yeah, no. I like sleeping in a room. And also just the structural integrity of their house. What is this Crimson Peak nonsense? It's amazing the castle has lasted 20 years. I don't think it's that good a castle. Well, yeah, well, the dark ages, Can you imagine we? the floors and walls buckling as the tree grows? Imagine like six sheds. It's probably not as good as that. Also, why does she think that this is some big test for him? You guys have a ton of servants and clearly a fuck off great big tree spouting out the top of your palace. People probably know. You see a tree coming out of a house, you think that's got to be the post of a bed. Regardless, this proves to Penelope this really is Odysseus. Hooray. And they have a big reunion and they do what they're both so good at. They cry. Odysseus says his travels are not yet over. He's been granted success by the gods, but remember when he went down to Hades and he talked to Tiresias and Tiresias said, you're going to have to make amends with Poseidon after you kill all the suitors. you got to bury your beef. And Literally he, bury it, right? Yeah. Well, literal beef, I know. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to go someplace where people have never heard of the sea before and there he has to plant an oar and make a bunch of sacrifices and only after that will Poseidon forgive him and then... Can Odysseus live a long, peaceful life on Ithaca? Ugh. But that's for another day. Daddy's all pent up. Let's freak. <laughs> the rights of the old marriage bed. Yeah, and they have a sort of like soft rock sex scene from the 90s. And I really hope he accidentally calls out Calypso or Circe's name. Yeah. You know. Baby, who's Calypso? Does. It's type of lolly in it, and that's Calypso. Uh, <laughs> I assume that she knows all of this stuff. Odysseus and Penelope swap stories, don't they? But does he tell her everything? I think he might tactfully leave some of that out. Yeah. So then what happens? While they're upstairs boinking, and there are just corpses scattered around the yard. Hermes beckons the spirits of the suitors out of the house with a golden wand. And, you know, they, they go the same way that Odysseus did down to Hades, and they run into all these people that we skipped over, like Agamemnon and Achilles, and they're all chatting about war and death and stuff. And the suitors are all like, oh, you never guess what happened to me. And they just essentially retell the last 12 books of the oh, good. poem about... <laughs> we really needed a recap. Yeah. And Agamemnon's like, oh, I can't believe it. Lucky Odysseus marrying this honest woman. Not me, though, killed by my own wife. Meanwhile... Back up in the world of the living, some of the Ithacans are upset that Odysseus killed their sons. Why? Well, quite. I mean, he's their king and he can do what he likes. They come to try and take revenge. Oh god, we're gearing up for another big fight, another... Yeah. Uh... Odysseus and Telemachus come outside and like, time for a big fight, like the, like the new dream team that we are, you know? <laughs> and Athena's like, no, 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 no more bloodshed, please. Her voice struck them with pale green fear and... I just thought it was interesting that fear was green. I really um, like that. That's yeah. a great little turn of phrase. So they all swear a solemn oath of peace. Um, the end. Oh, okay. The book just kind of ends mid-episode. I guess it lost interest in itself. Yeah. So we never even get his dumb quest to the place where people don't I, know what the I scene like is. I like that. That was exciting, isn't it? That there's, it's not over yet. Odysseus will be back. It's like every, yeah. the end of every James Bond movie. So they set us up for a sequel that never happens. Yeah, he's had his boat book. Now he's got his land book. Over that. Truly, the Iliad is his land book. No, because there's boats in that too, aren't there? Well, they're on the coast. Okay, right, he's had his coast book. He's had his boat book. Oh. Now he's got his. Now he's got a Mongolia. You and I are tired. Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah. So, that was the Odyssey. Would you like some casting for this? 
Yes, I would. Do you have a casting idea, first of all? Because I went through about five different, very complete film versions before I settled on the one I think is right. That's cool because that's like the oral tradition over the generations. <laughs> I like that. Sifted. But I was just thinking how much is in here. You could really spin it in a lot of, like there's so mm. much that a director could really sink their teeth into. Yeah, because obviously the last half would be Quentin Tarantino slash <laughs> the producers of Milf Manor. Um, <laughs> the first half, Ray Harryhausen all the way. Well, go on then. I thought this would make a great David Lean epic. I was thinking if we want a more sort of humane Odysseus, give us Omar Sharif. If we want, and I prefer this, a more... He, he always looks like he's going to cry. Yes, yes. <laughs> but if we want a more psychotic Odysseus, I prefer Peter O'Toole. Like, oh, yeah. you would actually believe that he would kill all those people at the end. Yeah, that, that's that really lean, scary about hard, Peter. mean-eyed... You know, lean for lean. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted Charlotte Rampling as Penelope. Oh, yeah. And Alec Guinness as Zeus, and maybe assorted. I guys. want Zeus to be played by Peter O'Toole and Hera to be played by Julie Christie because they look like they're related, don't they? And they're also both quite glamorous. Okay. Hera's not even in it, so. Sold. Yeah. I thought Julie Christie would come in maybe as Rodite or Cersei. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. Up here, it's all Julie Christie. (laughs) The problem with David Lean is I feel like he's too much of a realist, and I wonder you could do a telling where a lot of the things that Odysseus says are lies, and that if you had the flashbacks, and it would be like. I love that. Him just beating up some barbarian, and it's not all like actual magic stuff. You could have one with the voiceover saying Mm -hmm. the magic stuff, but the image and sound mm-hmm. showing the opposite. I think that'd be great. Yeah. I'd be all for that. Because, I mean, Odysseus is a liar. They talk all yeah. the time about in the book about how he's a liar. Bullshit. <laughs> exactly. People would say, that's, it's a musical, it's just called Bullshit! Exclamation <laughs> mark. Um, might be a bit of rapping in it, I don't know. Um, Can you do some for us right now? Um, oh, your hat's gone sideways. <laughs> Sean Bean. Would he be a good Odysseus? Of course he would like be. No, I think he's more Ajax. He's played Odysseus before. In what? Troy. Troy. That famously bad film. Name your dream Homeric hero casts right here, right now. Achilles. Who's your Achilles? Clever. Gotta be Steve Buscemi as Odysseus. <laughs> I'm just imagining Con Air I now. Would love, I would love <laughs> John Malkovich as Agamemnon. Um, <laughs> Who's Nicolas Cage? Hector. Obviously. Yeah, because he's the one who's fighting them all. I can't believe you've ever seen Con Air. Put the Helen back in the Sparta. (laughs) Back in the Sparta. You and I are going slowly insane. And now for our segment, Bad Goodreads Reviews. Everyone in this entire story is keto. So much meat. So much meat on skewers. I know this is before chocolate, but did they ever even eat a vegetable even? One star. Unoriginal. One star. Words didn't even fucking rhyme. Fuck off, Homer, you egregious nonce. One star. And then finally, like it was written by an overexcitable eight-year-old kid. Kind of feels like Dragon Ball Z. Two stars. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Finally, we have reached your favorite bit. Analysis. I'm too tired for it now, actually. Yeah, I know, me too. But we've got (laughs) to... But I mean, there there are a couple of really, really good adaptations of this. There's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Hmm. There's Cold Mountain, which is my possibly my favorite movie. A little known book called... 
Ulysses. Of course. Miss James Joyce. No, 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 I said a good adaptation. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. I think a guy f***ing on a rock is a bad adaptation. Yeah, now I say it like out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but then there are also some more feminist angles from this. There is the Penelope ad written mm. by Margaret Atwood, which is a very short version of like what Penelope's life is actually like. She's not actually grieving all that much. That's just the reputation she has. I like that it does lend itself to those kinds of very free adaptations because that speaks to what we've been talking about all the way through, the kind of oral retelling. Yeah, and there's there's also that fairly recent adaptation, Circe, the book, about yeah. just Circe's whole deal and a, a bit of overlap with her and not... Odysseus. That suddenly makes me not like it again. It's a really good I'm book. I'm sure it is a good book, but it makes me not like it because it's a bit like... It is two Marvel Cinematic Universe as well, though, isn't it? It's open to franchises. But I think I don't know. Th- I don't ne- know necessarily that it's about franchises because they're either retelling the story in its entirety, like Cold Mountain or, or Brother Where Art Thou, or we're getting a more sort of feminist slant of why are these women there just to serve mm. his narrative? They have a lot of other interesting things oh, going yeah, on. Oh, it'd be cool to have a story just about Cersei. But I mean, it's more just I'm saying that the Odyssey is itself a spin-off, and it it really like spools out. It's like ever unfurling with all these potential. But within itself, it has all these stories in it. But it also is like, yeah, don't worry, you could we could have a whole thing about Cersei. That's cool. But you that's know, how the folklore Hollywood... works. I know. So... I like that, but also it's annoying. Can we please just close this? No, no. Right, that's just how I'm feeling right now. That's no. <laughs> you can go. I can just do analysis by no, myself. I wouldn't let the people down like that. That's... Yeah. You're, you're a real professional. Yeah, I know. Well, it'd be irresponsible of me, really, just to let you mm. analyse... What, you don't think I do a good job? The little woman. <laughs> I'm just being funny, of course. I it's know. Just, well, let's, should we get on to that, actually? Gender. Yeah. I don't know. Can we, sir? It's a pretty misogynistic text, isn't it, I would say. I mean, not only in as much as loads of women get killed and don't do much, but also there's lots of monsters. Yeah, no, you're right, yeah. Calypso, Circe, Scylla, kind of Charybdis. Charybdis is a woman. I looked this up, Charybdis used to be a woman and she got, like, punished for, I don't know. Yeah, and the sirens. sucking too much. (laughs) Well, I mean, the big vaginal whirlpool and shock, yeah. Yeah, 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 sirens, yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, Polyphemus is the the, only male protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, and also there's all, like, Agamemnon and Achilles constantly talking about bitches. You know. I mean, yeah, it, it seems like this. women are either antagonists or born to suffer. But that's why I love Circe, because she's such a weird wrench in the works. So she's mm-hmm. like, no, this is my land. You guys are messing around with my... Like, she's completely within yeah, her rights. Circe is a rule breaker. You're right. You get a real sense that Circe has a whole life she's living, and Odysseus is here for a bit. Mm. But, like when he leaves she's not going to be that sad about it is she i would still say it's pretty misogynistic oh yeah for sure i'm not but that that's why i think i'm happy that there's a cersei spin-off because i'm like what, should have what's that. her story in fact that's probably more broadly though like the whole two the game of two halves thing the first half odysseus encounters all these weird female monsters the second half he comes home and shows everyone who's boss it is a tale of like patriarchal the manosphere, you know, we're bringing it back. You know, women have been in control for too long. They've been sucking down our ships. And right? he brings order to yeah, everything. Exactly. Or, yeah. yeah, Now I'm going to come in here, I'm going to take off all my clothes and kill everyone. You know, <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a proper, like, patriarchal narrative. Oh, it really sense. is. Can we talk a little bit about the, the form and how this is divided up? Because I read this in high school. 
And I remember the bit with the monsters being so much bigger. Like, that was the whole text to mm. me. And then at the very end, there's a little bit of an archery contest when he comes home. The monsters bit is so tiny. Mm. We get so much stuff about Telemachus at the beginning and yeah. Odysseus going to this stupid party and finally gearing up. And then he tells his tale for a few books. It's not that many. No. And then the whole second half is him just doing psychological doing the crap thing. with the yeah. suitors. And there's not much plot in the second half really no it's a lot of wheel spinning i read this for my undergraduate degree and i remember being very bored by the second half so when we were going to do this i was like oh god that whole last 12 books that's it it wasn't boring i oh, thought that... i was bored oh for were you some... no i liked the last four i liked maybe some of the bit with the fight the bum fight like, there was <laughs> so much we should talk about this stylistically as well actually because i think this relates to it but there's so much recapitulation of people's lives and just like anecdotes oh and they're constantly retelling everything yeah. we've heard so you, you can feel that this is like a poem that was meant to be told over several nights because it's like where we last left off remember odysseus tell us your story again and so he'll mm. recap last night's episode or whatever yeah there's all the bits about sacrifices and baths there's all that kind of the the stuff about jobs and things mm -hmm. the bit with the goring of the cyclops the way that turns into describing shipbuilding i love all of that stuff that's like the real like poetic minutiae but yeah it's when it's just synopsis after synopsis i come from crete my family book phoenician let I me did, read you yeah, my wikipedia yeah, summary that, i just i couldn't hack that and there's so much of that in the second half i don't want to pretend like it was all sunshine and roses you know it, it, it's not all rosy fingered dawn no. i did by the end i was a little bit like okay we could seriously start to wrap mm, this up yeah but that said this is a romp i really enjoyed this yeah i liked the way there's that parallelism between the mundane and the fantastical Obviously, the sacrifices are the main example of that because it's like lots of talk about the different jobs you have to do when you're getting the cow in and preparing mm -hmm. it for sacrifice. But then also there's all this stuff about Poseidon and magic stuff. Same as I was saying about the boring of the Cyclops eye, that that's like being a carpenter, but it's also magic. I thought that's kind of cool from an anthropological perspective because it's like you can imagine that in the dark age of Greece, people really did think like that, that the, the, the supernatural and the mundane were washing on a continuum continue. yeah, yeah exactly but also i wondered if it was like a reflection of the form of the text you've got this sense of continuity between the magic and the mundane but also in so doing you're kind of distinguishing them and we have the same with the first 12 books and the last 12 books the first 12 books is completely magic and then the second 12 books is i'm home well i i thought that as well and on a sort of masculinity level of conquering the world but then coming back to conquer yeah, your own home. home. Yeah, the home. good point, yeah. So I think there are a lot of things, registers of yeah, either sort of magic and mundane or registers of power on, on sort of different scales. Yeah, and there's a whole writ large, writ small thing, you're right there. Yeah. Like, evil magic woman, uh, possibly evil woman in my house. Yeah. You know, that sort of yeah. thing, yeah. Well, I was trying to, I was trying to marry up, and I, I'm glad they didn't do this where there's like a perfect one for one, you know. Ooh, who's Charybdis in the house? Ooh, yeah, Is like like James Joyce tried not to do. Yeah, it, so um, I, and I was like, to some extent, I mean, Scylla and Charybdis is that, are they the suitors? Because they suck everything up and they eat everything. Mm. And I suppose you could, the, the suitors with the sirens, their seductive song that Penelope is able to resist too. And Ooh, yeah. I, I suppose you could double them a little bit. There, there and also are, there's a gender flip thing there too. Isn't yeah, there? yeah. The, there are sort of echoes from macrocosm to microcosm. Speaking of people trying to shoehorn things in or whatever, Maybe this is also a shoehorn. I just thought all that weird stuff about 
identity and agency and a lot of the time they don't really seem like they want to do what they're doing or they're trying to do things mm -hmm. that they end up not being able to do but also there's a whole thing about identity itself that Athena, we didn't really talk about this that much, but Athena is constantly changing Odysseus's appearance. She makes him invisible yeah. at one point, she makes him look more handsome at one point, she makes him look old at one point. It's constantly happening. He tells loads of lies about himself. And his uh, his personality doesn't seem to match up with the epithets, where it's always like, ooh, smart Odysseus, sneaky Odysseus. He doesn't actually do that much that's tricky. You know what I mean? Apart from telling... The Cyclops' his name is No Man. Yeah, that's his only cunning. He but does, he does lie a lot. Or, like, the whole pretending to be from Crete. But even then, he doesn't have to do any of that. Like, I, I wanted a lot more examples of his cunning. And you get very little of that. If anything, he's a, he's a bit more of a bruiser. And so it just feels like there's a mismatch then as well. Like, his appearance is changing. His actual personality doesn't align. Like, you know what I mean? You like, think it's like the gang... I can imagine all the gang in Troy and they're all, like, stupid meatheads. And because Odysseus, like, once was like, yeah, I read it in the, the news. They're all like, hey, brains. Hey, hey, yeah. brains. Hey. Okay, professor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It might be like that. But I was thinking more like, does Odysseus even know who he is anymore? Like, if you kept being changed and you you keep pretending all these different things and telling all these different lies about yourself, yeah. are you even you anymore? And I suppose the story's kind of about re-becoming you. I'm going back to me. It's like Eat, Pray, Love. I'm whereas rediscovering myself. Whereas Penelope's in stasis. Yeah. She is in the most absurd form of stasis even even down to her beauty where they talk about like she has an age yeah yeah she, yeah that's a good point she's completely she's all too much with herself yes this is not i don't even know who i am anymore oh. anyway right well here's some advice remember if you're ever reading an epic especially an ancient epic like this one they are structurally different than say modern novels or plays or whatever an epic was often designed to be recited aloud usually over several nights and retold by subsequent authors or, or you know orators or whatever even homer nods that's why there's continuity <laughs> errors that's people say that don't they yeah yeah so there are a lot of tangents with these things a lot of repetition it's just going to feel really different than your idea of a modern story that's uh, what's so great about it though, and that's okay yeah, yeah. Okay, now we hate to do this to you guys because, you know, you're very patient with us, but we're going to take another two-week break purely because, we, you know, life gets in the way. We have stuff going on. But after our two-week break, we have another episode heading your way. Now, here's the clue. What is it? I've been really enjoying this text, you know, where gods make cameos. I think that's really cool. This has been a blast. But what if we spiced it up a little bit in the next one? What if instead of a god making a cameo... Satan turns up briefly as a surprise guest star. Delightfully devilish. <laughs> we can't promise you the ambrosia of the gods, but we can promise you something pretty close. So please write into our email if you have any suggestions. Please tweet us at smfms underscore podcast. You know, subscribe wherever you listen, rate, review. We really appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok or YouTube or whatever. You know, you guys know what to do. Bebo on hot Bebo what's that I wasn't that it's like MySpace but it's another one but I thought you Bros. I don't think it exists anymore <laughs> Friends Reunited <laughs> we are on Friends Reunited actually <laughs> alright and from Daniel very tired Daniel and myself less tired than you'd expect thank you and we'll see you next time Calispera what's that I'm like good evening or something in Greek Thanks for listening to Save Me From My Shelf. Our music is 
The Overture to Don Giovanni by Mozart, and Cover Art is by Catherine Wu. Our thanks to Aston University's Centre for Critical Inquiry and to Society and Culture for funding the startup of this podcast. Contact us at savemefrommyshelf at gmail.com or at smfms underscore podcast on Twitter. And do not, I'm going to remind you, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Do not forget. Thank you.